Well, speaking of fighting, uh, that is something that Amber Heard and Johnny Depp have been doing in a courtroom, and we've chronicled on this program before. This seems to be a case, unlike a lot of other celebrity trials, that the whole world is paying attention to. The ratings, the social media interaction, the shareability on so many different aspects of this Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial are unlike anything we've seen in quite some time. So for those of you that haven't been following this, deliberations uh, will enter a third day today. Still no verdict in this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard multi-million dollar defamation case. No verdict reached again yesterday after eight hours of jury deliberations on Tuesday. The jury, comprising five men and two women, were given 37 pages of instruction as they weighed Johnny Depp's $50 million defamation claim against Amber Heard and Heard's counterclaim of $100 million. Now, we've heard a lot from court watchers, but at least on this program, we haven't necessarily heard from a lot of body watchers. And one of my favorite body watchers is Tanya Ryman. She is a body language expert and author and just a a wonderful person that's a delight to talk to. And uh, she's kind enough to get up early and join us on the radio. Good morning, Tanya. It's been too long. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. This is a great day. Thanks. Now, why should um, we be paying attention to body language in general? Uh, Unlike uh, verbal language, body language is not something that uh, is generally taught in schools. It's not something that a lot of us necessarily are mindful about. Uh, Why should we be mindful of our own body language and others? Everything that you do can be what you're thinking at a given moment, right? So that's why everybody's looking and they're going, oh, Johnny Depp is laughing. Oh, Amber Heard is a victim. It's make-believe. So what winds up happening is we portray Mm. our thoughts, our beliefs, everything that we're living in any moment on our face and within our movements, our gestures. So people sometimes go on autopilot and they forget that other people are looking at them. And you think, well, that sounds kind of judgy. But the truth is, We have way too much input, especially visually, coming in for us to be always thinking about what somebody is doing. So what do we do? We chronicle what we know. We chronicle. We look at someone and we go, okay, neurons start firing off and all of this activity starts in the brain. And we start to look at people and decide if they're someone we'd be interested in. And we do that based on the fact that They're either like us or maybe we want to be like them. And then we go through mentally very quickly all the books we've read, all the movies we've seen, all the people we admire. And we try to decide if the person we're looking at can meet into the specific category that we want them to fill. And if they can, then that person becomes a yes. But if they can't, then that person becomes a no. And that's why it's so significant because you're literally walking down the street unconsciously going, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm, yes, no, no, no. And you always want to be a yes, right? When you walk into the room, you want to be the yes person. You want to be the person everybody turns around and looks at. And that's what you get when you have nonverbal communication that says confidence, that says happiness, that says, hey, come, I'm approachable, come talk to me. Well, so that makes a lot of sense in terms of being mindful of our own body language, and I'm going to get some tips from from you in just a minute about how, how folks can do that, but why is it so important that we pay attention to 
the body language of others that we're interacting with, our coworkers uh, or friends or people we may want to be friends with, why is it so important that we that we watch the nonverbal signals they're sending? Well, because there are several reasons, but the most important one is you always want to be deciding as you're going if somebody is trustworthy, if they're credible, if they're being honest with you, if they're anxious or upset about something and they're trying to cover up. You know, maybe you have a friend who doesn't like to share their emotions, but their emotions come flooding out and you start to worry about them. Then you want to be able to dissect and figure out what you're seeing that's a deviation from their normal behavior. So if I'm talking to somebody, when I meet somebody or even if I know you forever, I go through in my mind within a snap second, I'm looking at how did you stand? How are you sitting? Are you orienting your body towards me? How fast are you speaking? How many words are you using? Are you using words that are visual, like, oh, I see that, auditory, like, oh, I hear you, or kinesthetic, like, oh, I really feel strongly about that. I take all of that in, and then, you know, I'm deciding at any given point as the conversation progresses, has there been a deviation from the behavior that they were showing originally. And if there is, then you know that that's a red flag. What happened to make the person go off their normal script, so to speak? Got it. And it's important because you want to be able to identify, number one, coworkers, making sure that they're genuine and they're looking out for your best interests. You also want to be able to do this with your friends, with your spouse, uh, your kids. It, it comes to the point where reading individuals isn't about making accusations or looking for deception so much as it is making sure that people are okay and that you feel like you can trust them. And believe it or not, it's not even just, you know, I'm reading someone. People have unconscious communication going back and forth. So if I look at you and you and I are having conversation and I'm picking things up from you, even though you might not realize it, my body language is going to shift and you're going to start getting this feeling like a gut instinct. And that's really what nonverbal communication is. It's a gut instinct. Did you always have a gift for this, or is this something that you that you studied in order to acquire the kind of expertise when it comes to body language that you have? I always had a gut instinct. I had a very interesting childhood, so I needed to see warning signals and recognize them quickly. So that started with me very young, and because I was so good at it, I just decided to look further into it and really do a study and figure out what it was all about and how it worked. Because when I started realizing that I could read people so easily, I couldn't figure out what I was reading. I just knew. And obviously, you know, we're not playing mentalist here. It's something you look at them and you get a feeling. So what I wanted to do was understand where that feeling came from. So then you have to learn. Well, it came because I suddenly saw their eyes move to the left when I know that they normally move their eyes to the right. Or maybe they picked up their pocketbook or a briefcase and they started holding it in front of them. Or maybe their feet got a little too close to my feet and I realized they were coming in, you know, to talk because they wanted something important. So all these little things started to be broken down for me and I started understanding why I was seeing the big picture and then getting the, the minute details to really fixate and figure out what was going on with someone. Uh, let, uh, we're talking with Tanya Ryman, uh, one of the uh, nation's best-known body language experts. She's also an author. You could check out her books on body language and nonverbal communication on her website, tanyaryman.com. That's uh, R-E-I-M-A-N, not dot .net, excuse me, tanyaryman.net. Uh, or you can just go to Amazon. There's some, they're on there as well. 
let me ask you about this Johnny Depp Amber Heard uh, situation before we talk about the body language itself and what it's telling us about the players there. I mentioned earlier the incredible public interest that there seems to be in this case. Why do you think that is? Why do you think this case is capturing the attention and the imagination of so many people literally around the world? I think one of the main reasons is Johnny Depp is loved worldwide. And if you're watching this case play out, then you're seeing all the different characters that he ever played. You know, you're seeing a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean. You're seeing Edward Scissorhands. He's just even Willy Wonka at certain points. So he just falls into character. When he was talking about how Amber Heard had been throwing vodka bottles at him, he went right into sparrow mode. Like his whole voice changed. The lilt came in. The little. So he's doing this almost drama, this this movie, as it's going on, because he keeps changing characters. So the question then becomes, who is the real Johnny Depp? And because we love him so much, she becomes the enemy, the automatic. And she's crying all the time when he's laughing. You know, she's been caught in several lies. And even when he's caught in a deceit, he suddenly, like, kind of smugs, laughs it off, and gets away with it in terms of, what we're seeing from the sofa, not what they're seeing in court. You know, the court is going to be different, obviously, because they are given a strict code of rules. But guess what? Even with that, people tend to go with their gut. One of the things we talked about in terms of studies is that better-looking people and better-liked people tend to have a better legal advantage. And I have a feeling we're going to see that play out in the end. Well, that's interesting. That is uh, it's certainly good news for those of us that are so good-looking, isn't it, Tanya? It is, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but um, what about they both testified in this case so far, some very dramatic moments in their testimony. Is there anything that we can we can tell from their body language during their testimony itself about either how they're feeling as they're talking about these, I'm sure, very sensitive events for both of them, or anything about their truthfulness as they're testifying? Well, yeah, that's what the whole goal here is. So when people go through an emotion, they feel it first, and then they show it, and then they speak it. So what I mean by that is, you know, if Amber Heard is telling a story, what winds up happening, or Johnny Depp, whichever, is telling a story, what winds up happening is they'll have this, all of a sudden, this emotion will come through. And you can actually see their body start to change a little bit. And as they do, that's when they start to show it. So a story should be, it comes into my head, and then I start to display, if I'm going to do an animation of it, and then I speak about it. And Mm -hmm. going back to the vodka bottle, if you watch that part, Johnny Depp really did an amazing job. Because as he told the story, he's like, you know, I'm sitting there, and you see his eyes, like, almost like he's reliving. He's sitting at that bar and he's trying to really get the positioning right. And he's giving us, again, a little skit. And with that, you knew that to me was 100% honesty. Like when he was doing it, he didn't change at all. His mind kind of went. He started using what we call visual access cues, like looking up to really visualize it in his head. And then he went to his ears, like looking to the side, which means he's now listening to what she's saying and then you know he does the whole demonstration how she comes around the bar and he's doing all this animation and he's doing it like completely synced in time with the words and that's one of the things you look for are the words and the movements in sync because 
if the movements come before the words, it's not bad. But if the words come before the movements, usually that means that somebody is using their gestures as an afterthought. And that usually means that they're being deceptive. What can we learn from watching the body language of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard while the other is testifying? Are you seeing anything noticeable in Johnny Depp, for instance, while Amber Heard is on the witness stand testifying about some very, very heated accusations? Oh, a complete lack of respect. And I think he's doing that intentionally to bring her down. Like, you know, oh, here she goes again, whining. Oh, this. Yeah. He, it demeans everything she's bringing to the forefront. And he does that intentionally, like even those little interactions with his attorney. And he doesn't even look at her. It's almost as if he's just there having lunch and not paying attention to the person in the box. <laughs> so with Amber, she keeps looking at him mm. and he just will not give her his eyes. Uh, what about when um, you mentioned the interaction with Johnny Depp's attorney? You know, I've observed a lot of uh, trials in person, and I think it's pretty rare, except in a criminal case when the verdict is read, for an attorney to be hugging uh, their client. And now I see Johnny T- Depp and his, his attorney hugging one another pretty regularly. One is that contrived, do you think? Is that meant to send a message to the jury? And, and two, if it's not contrived, if it's, that, if it's genuine, what does that tell, you, tell us about where Johnny Depp's head is at the moment? Well, the way we know Johnny Depp is he's, he is a little bit insane. There's no doubt about that. Mm. So I wouldn't put it past them to try to do that, but I don't think it's genuine. From her perspective, I think she's eating it up. Like I watched... As she was walking out of court, I think it was that day, and everyone's like, oh, my goodness, are, are you seeing him? Are you to a couple? You know, And she was just gloating. She was really enjoying that moment. And if it was that obvious, I don't think that there would be a whole lot of talk of the man in her life. And there is a whole lot of talk about that. So I think that that's more contrived than anything else. And she's just reaping the rewards. It's kind of like the halo effect. Here I am seen hugging Johnny Depp. What can that do for my career? Got I'm 37 it. years old. I'm going to explode it. Right. Got it. Uh, understood. In terms of um, a prediction, obviously you, you haven't seen all the testimony that the jurors have, but it sounds like you have a, a pretty good you know, feel for the body language of the attorneys, the people testifying, and the other observers. Can you offer any sort of a prediction? What does your gut tell you? And we know your gut leads you usually to a pretty good place about what the verdict is going to be here. I, I would think it would fall into Johnny Depp's favor. Really, really. Very, very interesting. Uh, we're talking with Tanya Ryman. Uh, you can check out her website, tanyaryman.net. A couple of great books about body language on there. And uh, really, it's going to be very interesting to watch over the net course of the of the next few days. Hey, um, if we're looking for ways that we can improve our own body language, what should people be mindful of? And you, you mentioned looking like you w- walking into a room and having a presence. And I think everybody has known folks in their life that you immediately notice when they walk into a room, even if they're not famous, even if they've not said anything because of the manner in which they handle uh, themselves. What are some common mistakes that we make in our body language and maybe some that are easily correctable? Well, a lot of times people will almost sneak into the room. Like they don't like the attention on them. 
So they'll sneak into the room and avoid looking at individuals. They won't smile at others. And they'll find just a little secluded me spot, so to speak. Like when I walk into a room, for the most part, I'm waving. I don't, I could be waving at a wall. You know, I'm waving at a poster. I'm waving at a mirror. (laughs) I walk into a room and I wave and I smile and I make eye contact and I go over and I try to make a small talk with as many people as I can. And by me walking in with that presence and waving, people start to think, oh, Tanya, she must know people here. And then they migrate towards me because they're thinking, hmm, she must be pretty interesting. She knows a lot of people here. So it's really about making sure you're able to hold eye contact and listen more than you speak. So what we found is, you know, when you're listening to somebody, if you're holding their eye contact, and of course this is cultural, but you're smiling appropriately, you're nodding to tell them that you're listening, your posture is good and strong, and you're not, you know, shallowed over and hunched. That's a really important piece, as well as giving yourself. And what I mean by that is if I'm sitting in a chair and you walk over to me, I'm going to orient myself towards you so you feel like, hey, Tanya's approachable, easy to talk to. And it just takes a little bit of the pressure off of you because you don't have to feel like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to be able to approach her? And is there going to be conversation? So it's more about looking the part. And then after you've done that a while, you actually become that person and you no longer have to look the part. Hmm. You also want to be vocally interesting. And what I mean by that is, you know, you want to have a strong vocal attention. You want to be not loud, but maybe a little bit louder than the person whispering next to you. You also want to make sure that you keep your voice going up and down slightly because no one really loves monotony. So, you know, you think of that uh, Bueller. Right, right. Ben Stein. Sure. Yeah, yeah, right. So you want somebody who can be melodious. And that also keeps people who are geared more towards auditory to tune into you. So you visually want to take control. And then auditorily, you want to make sure that you're using melodious language and you're giving other people an opportunity to speak, and you're nodding, and you're holding eye contact, and you're smiling, and you look inviting. Those are the things that really make a difference. Because very quick, that you. you uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, Tanya. Very, no. very quickly, because I just wanted to ask you about this, and we're just about out of time. But I didn't want to let the conversation go without asking you about this. What role does sense of smell play, and uh, what should people keep in mind as sort of they plan the scent that they're putting out to the world? That's the most important question. So we all give off scent on our own, a natural scent. And, you know, you could call it pheromones, you can call it whatever you want. But we know for sure that our chemicals change based on us smelling men and men smelling women, et cetera, going back and forth. So having said that, we tend to be a little bit turned off by regular scents that are manufactured. Here's the difference. We tend to like things like vanilla, uh, baby powder, lavender. Those scents are the ones that we really enjoy. Sandalwood is another one. So what winds up happening is just as a quick story, you know, you're going out on a date and you just got divorced and your wife wore, I don't know, Red Door or something like that. And, you know, you go and you meet this woman and things seem to be going great, but something's not right. And then at the end of the day, you find out that she's wearing Red Door and you just have a negative Mm imprint automatically scent is the oldest sense that we have and because of that we rely on it you know we had sense before we had words obviously so smelling rotten meat you know that was one of the ways that we were able to live a little bit longer and recognizing that certain scents 
are sour and no good, and other scents are inviting. So scent is the most important scent. Tanya, we're going to have to end it there. It is always such a treat talking with you, and uh, I'll look forward to our next interaction on the radio and hopefully in person as well. Thank you, Frank. I hope you have a great day, and good luck to your brother. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm hoping he was taking notes uh, for the for the ceremony about what what body language he should be putting out there at the uh, at the wedding on uh, on Friday. Uh, 800-848-WABC. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, this is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.